0: Um, I'm not even sure if this is working I've got my phone in front of me for the first time ever I'm very nervous because in theory tonight marks the first time we're actually doing a simulcast which is fancy talk for streaming to two places at the same time I'm looking at um, the running community who hopefully we are actually streaming out to as well Um, the running community is live now there's a little bit of a delay I can see myself take those little wispy bits down fine okay I've never done that before that's good well good in a non kind of self-worship type way right welcome episode 46 one check line I'm so glad it seems to be working um yes so very excited for so many reasons tonight firstly the subject matter above and foremost um is we're going to be looking at the fantastically important topic of returning to running post-pregnancy and we're fortunate enough to have two of the leading um, world, I would say, leading um, women's health physiotherapists with us, um, Gronia Donnelly, perfect pronunciation, and Emma, not Brockley, as I mentioned a while ago, but Emma Brockwell. And um, they're gonna be with us very shortly. And it's fantastic because why am I so excited also that we are streaming to the running community on Facebook? It's because that's what this is all about. One Chat Live is about getting evidence where possible to runners via therapists a lot of the time, because you're gonna go and see the therapist. So if I, with the help of my guests, can educate the therapist, the idea is that that information gets disseminated down to the runner. But hey, if we can get through to the runner directly, then even better. Because interestingly enough, some studies suggest it takes 17 years to get research into clinical practice. So once some research comes out, it could take 17 years, which sounds ridiculous, but that's how long it takes for things to appear in the research papers and get published and stuff. um, And then to appear actually when you go and see um, a therapist of some form. So basically tonight what OneChat Live is doing is it's taking rid of those 17 years and bringing in the very people who published the paper. So we are actually time traveling and bringing in the two physiotherapists who with the help of Tom Goom, who I'm sure a lot of you know, who uh, we've had on the podcast, and it's also going to be a speaker at Run Live conference. Um, Then, um, yeah, the three of them have provided what we're going to find out um, is the closest thing we can get to the definitive guide to return to running for post-pregnancy. So there we are. Um, So welcome, everybody. Running community, this is probably your first time for a few of you. I know there's a few members who watch us on the normal stream, um, but it works pretty much like this. You can ask questions when I see something interesting. I can do something like this. Look, let's get rid of that greeting. Jim gear, for example. There we go. Look, you can also see your own face or symbol up on here on the screen as well, which is nice, especially if we start getting a few runners in. So, um, Um, You don't have to worry what you look like, just make sure your profile picture looks nice and you will look great on screen. But we are all about taking questions, particularly for the speakers. The speakers are very excited that they're going to be talking to approximately 14,000 runners tonight. Um, Take it one by one, obviously, so we can get all those answers in. Um, But yeah, very exciting. The running community is working. Hi, Matt. Hey, how you doing? Who's speaking on behalf of the running community tonight? Is that Alan? Anyway, yes, feel free to... um, leave questions, if I don't get to you, then I promise you that comments will be answered later on. Maybe not straight after because I've got a Chinese ordered, but it will be later on in the week. We will get to your comments, promise you. Right, before I do that, there is a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I have to say thank you to my sponsors of the Run at Live conference, uh, conference, the uh, podcast and conference, who is the Brighton Beard Company, um, for obvious reasons. anybody who watches Brighton, uh, the RunChat Live, you do actually get a discount if you use the card code RCL15. Um, If you do want to buy yourself, and this sounds always weird to people who haven't got beards or live with people with beards, but if you do want to buy a balm or an oil or a brush or some kind of other grooming product for your facial hair, then the Brighton Beard Company is the way to go. Um, Let me give you a little idea of what the website looks like. There we go. Um, If you go there, like I say, if you use the code RCL15, then you get 50% off. And as I've said in the last few podcasts, um, I am getting emails and accepting emails from people who do need advice on facial hair. For example, you might notice that mine's a little bit shorter than last week. How have I got that done in a lockdown? Have I been a naughty boy? No, I haven't. What I have actually done is I've got myself one of these. Sounds. I'm so conscious that I am putting products out there now I know that the running community are watching. Um, I promise you it's for your own good you don't have to buy these it's just if you do want a great probably the best beard scape and hair trim in the world um, as you can see look hair as well all by me and um, then get one of these and um, there's actually one which is going out free thanks to the guys at Brio um, for anybody who buys one of the Runchat Live conference tickets in June they're gonna we're gonna have a little draw on July the 3rd Hamish the physio who's a real person is going to be drawing the winner of that and Hamish will also be drawing um one of these, which is the fascia- Fasciitis Fighter, um, which is not a gimmick. When I first saw it, I thought, here we go again. Here's something else for me to copy and paste on my timeline, just uh, to, to kind of call cool it out. But it's actually based on fantastic research um, to do with the big toe and kind of extension of the big toe when you are doing various exercises. So um, the creator of this is gonna be uh, July the 3rd. One o'clock is in Mel, no, it's in Gold Coast. I'll mention that again at the end. But um, yeah, there's a chance to win one of those as well if you sign up for lunch at live Conference we're done the unimportant stuff relatively speaking apart from my sponsors who I do love um is out of the way but I can now bring up and introduce to you uh the fantastic uh Gronia Donnelly pronunciation gets better every time and Emma Brockley no Brockwell um so without further ado um if you're listening on the uh, podcast <clears throat> on the um then um you're not going to see any of the visuals so again I always apologize for that which is why I say come and watch the show live uh, but hopefully I will tell you if any images are coming up and explain what we're doing But without um, further ado, let's bring up
1: um, the ladies themselves.
0: There we go. How did that go? Was that a long intro? I was worried, wasn't I? I was talking about it. I'm sorry, everybody, but now you're here, finally. (laughs) <laughs> I saw you giggling down there, really putting me off. I'm trying to be professional here. I've got people watching. Please stop smiling, look like physiotherapists, and introduce yourselves one by one.
1: I'm Gronja Donnelly. I'm, a, I'm from Northern Ireland and I'm a women's health physiotherapist working in both the public and private sector and uh, thank oh, oh oh oh
0: did you see that I oh. know oh, that's the live tv so <laughs> <laughs> i pronounce it it's my pronunciation whatever i pronounce concept, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. there you go is that better there you go uh-huh. uh,
1: i thought brilliant. you were being funny in the last one <laughs>
0: no that wasn't me that was actually yeah uh... and um if she manages to stop laughing then we've got who else in the room as well
2: uh, hi, I'm Emma Brockwell, and I am a public health physio based in London. Um, I feel like I'm on a game show. <laughs> well, and... it's,
0: it's funny to say that. <laughs> yeah. My
2: funny. name hasn't popped up yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm also a mum of two children who are four and seven and who are highly likely to walk into this room at any point, I think. So I apologise if that happens. That's
0: and they're actually watching one of my favourite films at the moment, aren't they? I believe
2: they're listening to aladdin actually not frozen they're listening to aladdin
0: at the moment Mm -hmm. about frozen i just was going to mention frozen (laughs) Aladdin is my (laughs) heterosexual stand-up don't mention frozen for god's sake (laughs) we'll delete that in the youtube version right well thank you so much for joining us you two it's very kind um so yes i mean it's all very relaxed and it couldn't be more informal here but you two have actually managed to produce along with tom goom are you it's a big thing isn't it what you managed to produce last year was it in march tell me a bit about that
1: yeah, March last year we uh, grouped together with Tom, it was a really good opportunity and what was quite unique about it was crossing the specialities. as I say Emma and I are pelvic health physiotherapists, Tom's a sports musculoskeletal physiotherapist and traditionally we've kind of stayed in our own silos and um, which shouldn't really happen, so it was a really good opportunity to come together and look at what the evidence can tell us about returning to running, postpartum, and how we can better guide women out there and health and fitness professionals who are dealing with them.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the big thing, there wasn't really any guidance when it came to us considering to collaborate on this Um, and the interesting part of doing the guidelines was that we looked into all the research that was available and soon realised there wasn't that much evidence available on this subject um, and both Rania and I have had children so we were keen as runners to get some better clarity on the subject because certainly when I looked at returning to running after having had my first as I was a sports physiotherapist at the time and I didn't I was just acutely aware of the lack of guidance there. Some people were saying return at six weeks after you've had baby, other people were saying, oh know, you've got to wait at least three months, others six months, others a year. And as a patient or as a, as a, as a, as a layman, that's it's really confusing because you just want some, some clarity on the subject, not necessarily a recipe, but some level of guidance, which I hope we've produced by writing the guidelines.
0: And why do you think it's been it took until you guys got together to do it why why hadn't it been done before Is there any particular reason for this is it specifically this area which is kind of less research or is it something that happens generally across running?
1: yeah i think you've hit it um there by saying the lack of research so guidelines traditionally in their form need kind of high quality evidence to feed into them so if you think of like I suppose, properly organisational produced guidelines, there's a proper procedure to go by and they do require a certain level of information to feed into them. When you don't have the research or the studies investigating this population, it becomes very difficult. Now, there are multiple levels of reasons for why there isn't research in this area. And one may be that obviously research into pregnant women um, carries its own risks. So a lot of times it's tends to be avoided in that regard, but it's getting better. And there's certainly more of a magnifying glass on this area now, Um, but we did it. And I suppose we put the guidelines out into the public domain in the first instance. And it was really in order to get the information out there because you've mentioned the transition from published research to maybe getting into clinical practice and making changes. And there's quite a delay there. We don't have the luxury of waiting for 14 or 17 years for that change to come. So we wanted to get something out there. We didn't expect it to have the interest and response that it did. We knew we knew loads of people would be interested, but we didn't really realize the scale and the hunger that existed, not just within the UK and Ireland, but well beyond that for something like this. So it really, um, it really solidified why me and Emma and Tom did this and the importance of it. And we're so glad that we've been on this journey.
0: Fantastic, yeah. And it's free, isn't it? I mean, just to let people know straight away, therapists and runners, if they wanted to read it as well, if runners are particularly want to keep themselves up, how do they get hold of that?
2: How yeah, do they see it? what's the easiest way? So you can either go to um if you're on Instagram, you can follow uh, our links in our bios, um, or, or or go to our websites where where the guidelines are are um sitting. Um we, we just ask that you put your name and and, and your profession or if you're not a professional, you know, if you're if you're just um, a lady wanting to get back to running or just interested in the subject, um, that's all we ask. And and then you get you get the the I think it's forty five pages worth of, of guidance. Obviously, um, it's not for everyone. You don't necessarily have to read the whole document to to, to glean really. A good idea of of when you should be ready to go back to running, um, and when you shouldn't be ready to go back to running. And if you're a clinician or a fitness professional or a running coach, you can obviously use some of the tests that we've that we've mentioned in there, which we felt at the time had the best evidence base around them for guiding a woman back to running.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So we've got. So ready. Um. I hope. I didn't actually tell people at the running community to get the pen and paper ready but a couple of websites already which you do need to because even if you don't want to look at the 40 page guide and some i know some runners who will want to look at it and i just love it when they come to see me but um <laughs> yeah there's plenty of other stuff on both um emma and guania's um websites absolute physio it's your first one um and then emma's is physio mum um emma so both of those have got loads of blogs and information on there Get I think what I like about most speakers, not all the speakers I have on here, all have this common trait of firstly being modest and you've already shown yourselves to be ultra modest. And secondly, can be understood and appreciated by both therapists and runners, which is what it's all about. I've seen both of you talking, I've listened to both of you talking and, and I've always very conscious that I try and have a therapist ear and a runner's ear to imagine whether I could enjoy this. And hands down, definitely runners and therapists could go to both of your websites and appreciate um, and all your streams and everything you do and learn from it which is great So that fits in lovely to run chat live as we want to do so yeah make sure you've got those websites done and we've already got some questions coming in um Sharon Headley she doesn't seem impressed enough with what you've done she's got a question which is like okay very interesting she's talking about you know running post running um yeah very interesting what about okay Sharon it's bringing your question up Sharon wants to know straight away let me get rid of that Any research will women to return to running after twins so forget about one baby Mm -hmm. what about two well there's probably
1: no there's no specific studies that i'm aware of but the principles are the same in terms of so in the world of pelvic health whether a woman's coming in after for whatever reason she's seeing us if she's coming in after having a single baby or having multiple babies the approach and the principles are still the same so Certainly have a look at the guidance and the load and impact test and all the information feeding into it will still provide you with the information that you need to consider your own individual journey. And that's what we want to highlight about these guidelines. Emma's already said they're not prescriptive, they're not protocol in terms of like you do this at this week. They're all about giving you the information in order to look at each person as an individual because Two people at 12 weeks postnatal, one might be ready for a turn to running and the other might not. Um, But that's what the guideline will help you feed in and find out.
0: Cool. I imagine as we look through the advice you're giving tonight, I mean, it's not always a case of if you have twins. There's going to be so many cases today where it's obviously bloke talking about pregnancy and not knowing (laughs) enough. But... Just because it's like having kids isn't it just because you've got two doesn't mean it's gonna be twice as hard in fact it's not it's three times as hard it's not a good metaphor but if you have twins it doesn't mean you're gonna run into twice as many problems or have twice as long before you go back to running is it it's not that correlation
2: no not necessarily it's it's about it's about thinking how your abdominal wall has healed how well your pelvic floor has healed um and then obviously how well how well your whole whole body can can take various loads that are required for running and you might find that that unfortunately some ladies who have had one baby but have had a really severe perineal tear um take a lot longer to go back to running than someone who's had twins and not had the same uh, issues with with their perineum or or their vaginal area so so it's, it's it's very patient specific
0: which kind of answers John's question here? John came in a second ago with "What's this about?" And after that answer, John, <laughs> I think um, that's going to probably help you. Um, I've just tuned in, so there you go. You've got time now. We're talking about return to running, John, um, and different complications that can arise, and what we can do to reduce the risk of it. So there you go, John. That's okay. Do you
2: think? Do you think everyone knows what a pelvic health physiotherapist is? <laughs> Give them a bit of an idea because they might. This be was people. such
0: a rush job with the running community. It was like, can we go on? Can I do it? <laughs> can I put more cast? Yeah, okay There's going to be a lot of people go, oh, this is interesting. What's this? Did you just say vagina? What is this? I'm going to say vagina, I'm get, I'm and and I'm say vagina a few
2: times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can guarantee tonight there's going to be quite a, a little lesson in anatomy and physiology. Um, and we expect questions as well regarding that. This is it now. There's, um, <laughs> What happens in one chat live stays in one chat live. It's fine. So, okay. I'm question. Huh?
1: The, the question feed is making me laugh. So if I go off and on, I'm not laughing, at any <laughs> the question feed is making me laugh.
0: <laughs> I know. I have to select this uh, carefully now. I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Matt scarsbrook Thanks for joining us. Right. Let's ignore Matt Skarsgård. I've got. I can tell tonight. I'm going to have to stick to my crib sheet, aren't I? Let's start with the big question. The first question, which most runners are going to want to know, female runners, is there a time on how long it's going to take after they have their baby, for when they're going to be able to run again?
2: Our guidelines give the idea that you are looking to think about a return to run, a gradual return to run, at around about 12 weeks of having had a baby. Now, as we've already said, that isn't, uh, it's very specific to the person, so you might have a lady who has who, who presents with no pelvic floor symptoms, which I'm sure we'll talk about in um, in a moment, um, who, who has had a really lovely pregnancy and been able to be active and strong and who presents with good strength um, and, and, and ticks all the boxes that we discussed in the guidelines. So they might be nine weeks postnatal, natal and therefore ready to return to running. Um, but as we say, it might be someone that's 24 weeks postnatal and is only then ticking the boxes to return to running so we use 12 weeks as a as a as an idea of that's when we think there's enough time to recover and so long as you don't show any signs of pelvic floor dysfunction um, and as I say mention uh, your reaching all the test markers that we that we illustrate, um, then that's when we would suggest a gradual return to running. So I guess 12 weeks is your ballpark figure that you're looking at, but it's not necessarily applicable to everyone.
0: And with that in mind, do you think that the answer will vary depending on who you go and see?
1: That's the current problem as such and that's one of the reasons that we developed the guide. Now, even last night I was going through my uh, social media feeds and I seen somebody putting out an educational post. It was actually quite a good post, but they were putting out a post about if you have a normal delivery, you can go back to high impact exercise at six weeks and if you have a C-section, it's going to be 12 weeks. But um, we basically know that that idea of the six-week check is something that has been traditionally traditionally thought of and women basically get the impression that they wake up at six weeks postnatal and they're automatically recovered and it doesn't really take into consideration that individual's journey so we want to redefine that and basically get people thinking more about the healing times being 12 weeks because when we looked at the literature and we considered pelvic floor trauma and healing and considered abdominal wall recovery in particular with post-surgery such as c-section we know that the healing time extends well beyond the six-week time frame. So that's what we want to debunk and we kind of purposely didn't section out a difference between normal delivery and cesarean section delivery because again sometimes when these are boxed it becomes very prescriptive if you have a normal delivery you just automatically turn that's easier but somebody can have a normal delivery and have a very traumatic delivery and because of the nature of it they don't talk to people they don't tell someone that they're having pain symptoms leaking anything like that and they and they're the ones that go unrecognized as kind of having a risky return to run so we wanted to create it that there's a general healing time of 12 weeks there's certain load and impact tests you can do there's lots of information for every therapist whether your health fitness whatever area you work in you can kind of skill up on it's not that it's out of your remit and we need to stop boxing women off from the lower tummy to the top of the thighs and start thinking that that part of the body is under everybody's remit as well
0: very good. I like you mentioning that as well. Obviously you are treating with, you are treating a person rather than just a vagina. There you go, John. It's two okay. now, you can take them off. And it's big. And I love <laughs> to hear you both talking about that, how you're both very aware of other factors, which, for example, especially with pain, um, but with everything, all of the physiological responses are definitely connected to what's up here as much as what's down below. It's very current. Um, stick on that subject, can you give us an idea of some of the tests which maybe people are going to see all of the time when they go and get tested for, am I ready to go run again? What are some of the tests which are very current? And in saying that maybe some which are less accurate, which your guide points out and not shouldn't be used quite so much, or maybe some which you think should be used more and are not being used enough.
2: So we, um, we sort of split it all up into pelvic floor and musculoskeletal. Uh, Testing. So from a pelvic floor perspective that's where you'd really need to collaborate with your pelvic health physiotherapist um, because ideally we would recommend that all women have an internal pelvic floor assessment and during that pelvic floor assessment we're trying to determine how strong the pelvic floor is, what sort of level of endurance the pelvic floor has, ideally in a functional position. Standing because that's where we run. Um, we also want to look at the structural support of the pelvic floor as well. So when it comes to considering things like pelvic organ prolapse, which is where your bladder, bowel, or uterus um, descends into the vaginal area, we want to look at protecting that, that those vaginal walls. So it's really important that we're assessing what structural deficits there might be. Um, so that's where someone like Rania or I would come in in, in giving and giving that level of testing. Um, From a load and impact testing from more of a musculoskeletal point of view we're looking at can women do various things without experiencing certain signs and symptoms like low back, pelvic pain, um, any signs of urinary incontinence or faecal incontinence, any heaviness or dragging. When they carry out in the vaginal area, sorry, when they carry out certain tests like walking for 30 minutes, single leg standing, hopping, forward bounding, um, single single knee bends, um, and we would we go by sort of 10 reps for each. And if and if they're if they're managing those tests without any signs of pelvic floor dysfunction or any pain, that's where we can be thinking, yeah, okay, good. We're, 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 we're on the path to, to recovery, and we might use those tests to then help strengthen, strengthen the, the lady if 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 they're presenting with some elements of dysfunction there. Um, we do also look at some uh, strength tests as well, but this is where Tom came in really, um, and it seemed that the 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 evidence for those tests was pretty Pretty vague, pretty pretty poor. Um, so things like um, oh gosh, what was it? Single leg calf raises, single leg abduction, side lying abduction. Get
1: um, to stand what? from a chair, single leg, single leg glute bridge, abduction, side lying. Yep. Thank you for being my memory. Um,
2: uh, so we so, so we 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 use those tests really because they seem to be the muscles that are most specifically used when running. Um, I'm not sure you might be able to tell us if there's any more specific tests that perhaps have become we've become more aware of since we wrote these. We really wrote these back in August 2019. 18. So so perhaps there's been more awareness of that. I know Chris Johnson's done quite a bit more testing, uh sorry, more research in that area. Um, but that's the broadness of the testing, um, which which Women can test themselves if they can carry those things out without any key signs and symptoms, then that's a good, that gives them a good idea as to when when they're more run ready.
0: And how how standard? I mean, it's impossible to say how what percentage, but in your experience, what sort of proportion or or percentage of women? are going through symptoms and just ignoring them and not getting checked out because of ignorance or fear whatever the reason are Are you hoping that the guide actually changes that is there a lot of women female runners out there who are worsening the the, what's going to happen in the future because they're not getting checked out
1: well if you think about it like any symptom of pelvic floor dysfunction whether that's leaking whether that's heaviness in the pelvic area whether it's pain it's a sign that the area is not managing or matched up to that load that's been put on it so if you think about pelvic health like we think about sports injuries or MSK injuries and just apply the same principles you would know that maybe the load isn't right for that particular area and you would scale back strengthen up return to play so to speak and we need to be taking this similar approach with pelvic health because the thing is women are suffering in silence and they are maybe just accepting that as this is just par for the course and we tend to find so many women five, ten years down the line significant issues and once you start doing rehab with them and start educating them I hear time and time again why didn't someone tell me sooner and that message and that education isn't getting out there and it's hard because me and Emma We surround ourselves with pelvic health related health and fitness professionals so you can think we're quite tunnel visioned and thinking everybody knows this but there's a whole big bad world out there of people who don't really understand so what we want to highlight is that women who experience whether it's with running an exercise or whether it's not even with running an exercise after having a baby if you're leaking from the bladder or bowel if you're having a sudden urge to go and having to make sudden dashes if you're having pain if you're having pain with intercourse if you're having a heaviness or dragging sensation down there these symptoms might be common but they're certainly not normal and they're a sign that more rehab needs to be done.
2: Yeah and I think a big thing there is as well don't be embarrassed by those symptoms don't 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 not talk to a healthcare professional or or even your coaches about about those symptoms because what's so frustrating is they're so very treatable as well um, uh, but but they're that common that one in three women are leaking urine after baby so that you know it's happening to more people than you probably think. So by talking, asking for help, it's there. Use us, definitely.
1: And one of the big things that we're quite um, passionate about in is that this, these sort of symptoms are actually one of the biggest barriers to women having to regress and stop a certain form of exercise. And we know the importance of physical activity, meeting the government guidelines, 150 minutes um, and for our overall health and wellbeing. So if we're now identifying a huge barrier for these women in maintaining that exercise, that's a public health crisis. That's something we need to address. And we need to look deeper than accepting, like women aren't going to say, I'm not going to the running club anymore because I'm a leaky bladder or I have a prolapse. They're going to say, Do you want know have childcare issues or my husband's working and I can't get away. They're going to come up with any other excuse. And so they're just going to fade away into the background because of that. So we need to do better to bring these topics up to talk to people so that they can go, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can seek help about this, and maybe that doesn't become a barrier. And maybe running clubs start to design. Tears of you know even postnatal tears, so that women are having an easier kind of couch to 5k return type approach things like that so that we're starting to make people fit but also protecting their longevity in their ability to maintain exercise
0: okay so it's really, so it's really interesting I, I never thought of that angle so it's not just the case of the information hasn't been there uh, to, to be given by therapists the case that a lot of women are still embarrassed or just don't realize that they should go and see someone they just think it's just part of it So there is a getting that message out there very interesting right
2: and also when you think oh sorry matt no no, I, no. I i was just i was just gonna say that you know i think traditionally we've been quite used to being told that that oh well you lit urine now because you're a mom and that's what happened when I had a baby and you know and, and it's these things that that need changing because yes they absolutely probably did happen when you have a baby but to accept that as part of your new normal you should be, you should be able to get on that trampoline with your kids and not leak in. and you know we're not just talking running here we're talking something as simple as getting on the trampoline so running having a little game of football with your toddler it's devastating if you feel you can't do that because you're leaking urine or because you've got uh, feel like you've got heaviness in your vagina and it's just so frustrating outside when you know that we can we're really effective at treating this this stuff and there's so there's grade one evidence for treating pelvic organ prolapse, urinary incontinence and improving sexual function from a pelvic health physiotherapist point of view so I just wish we I just wish every woman had the opportunity to see a a physio postnatally it should be it should be part of the postnatal pathway in in our opinion anyway
0: when you say had the opportunity you mean it should be encouraged more as a form of kind of like midwifery or something or after having the baby you've got to come back and
2: I I think I think I think it should just be part of your postnatal recovery Mm. that you see someone like me or Bronya yeah
0: Right, I really want people if we are going to the running community, I'm hoping that some of you I'm hoping some of you have suffered from prolapse. No, I'm hoping that some of you actually have some experience and can um and join in this conversation and share some of those experiences. Has anyone there suffered in silence and then maybe gone to see someone and wish they'd gone earlier on? Um so do please use the comments if you can. Also, therapists out there, I'm very interested. I mean, I, I have not got any i've got experience of working with female runners who have needed help getting back into running after I'm aware of some of the little running form changes there was a question earlier on which um made me realize this with to do with running uphill there was a question let me just find you where were you there we are let's put it up i'll put it up on here i'll read it out this is jess parson she says um i listened to one chat you did probably not me probably or Emma but one chat you did and mentioned that running uphill puts your body through less impact and could maybe be a good substitution for those with itchy feet would you then recommend they walk down the hill three years later and I think I still have a little bit of the fear when I hit the downhill but in those early days would you say to walk Question.
1: if you're having symptoms with downhill so yeah it depends on if you're having symptoms if you're not having symptoms downhill that's okay and actually What we want to eventually get to with running once we train up and are postnatal you want to be hitting the ground running and having that reflexive pelvic floor so that should happen automatically and that's actually when it does that's actually a really good form of training for the pelvic floor because you're initiating it with that impact that it can take and it's responding so it's a nice training exercise but if you're going downhill or you're in the earlier days of postnatal recovery and just starting to kind of test out return to running it might be an idea to certainly slow your pace going downhill or walk especially if you're having symptoms. Uphill running people often think is more difficult and harder and more strenuous because it feels more strenuous on our lower legs but it's a really good exercise it puts less impact on the pelvic floor it does still give you a nice workout of your lower limb muscles so it's a really effective way of grading back into exercise and the other modifiables are if anyone is having symptoms and is really keen to maintain the run and doesn't want to regress from it change the terrain like change your what what you're hitting so ideally not tarmac or hard surface go to like a, a country trail a grass trail something like that because that will lessen the impact as well
0: anything to add to that ever nice
2: no, spot. nice no, spot, no, spot on I-
0: what she said (laughs) no it's interesting advice because i mean i think most running coaches um i definitely always harped on about the fact that most runners think they don't they avoid hill running so they think there's going to there's more chance of getting injured but you're actually more likely to get injured running full out on a flat and reaching that speed and that repeated impact than doing a 10 second hill sprint where you're just going maximum Mm -hmm. as hard as your body can push you uh, up a hill and then having a recovery thing so it's good to hear that the same thing goes with um, return to running post-pregnancy. Embrace those hills.
2: I also think that running uphill gives you good. <laughs> I have got something to add actually. Just a <laughs> little. <delayed>. Oh <laughs> good. <laughs> um, I, I think it gives you great, um, a great opportunity to access your glutes as well. Um, and post, post-natally, women don't have great glutes, quite frankly, um, because of the postural changes, centre of gravity changes that have happened. Um, also when you're breastfeeding hormonally glutes become affected as well so getting up those hills gives you an excellent opportunity to fire those glutes up which is going to give you more pelvic stability and glutes are your pelvic floor's best friend so um if we can fire up the glutes it's going to help that's going to help everything essentially
0: that's good i'm going to let you guys get away with that because normally i spend my time saying it's not all about the glutes it's not all about yeah. the glutes but the link between the glutes you know when we used to talk about the ta and just focus on the multi and that was the most important thing and contracting that but it's everything that attaches to the pelvis and there's not much which attaches to the pelvis more than the glutes so yeah look after the glutes particularly in this case and yeah it's nice to be able to just let that go <laughs> by without feeling the need to Sorry. criticize it <laughs> but yeah and the other thing i like about hill running as well is and the, and the idea, I can imagine that for someone who wants to get back to running and has got that stress and desire to feel like human again than a person, you can let it go going uphill in your sprints. You can actually feel that part pumping and I'm alive again. You know, I'm not just a baby machine anymore. I'm actually me. And that's going to be far more rewarding than plodding along to do it like a 5K in the park thinking this is nowhere near my PP. So there's a lot to be gained. It's good. Oh, yeah. that answers your question, Jess. Thank you for that. Let's have another look down here. Jack Chew is in the house saying, I'm taking twin notes, fantastic. Do you follow Jack? We know Jack, obviously, but um, I, I mean, love test. Well. Fantastic. Thank you, Jack, for then coming. And it, are the rumours, actually, Jack is saying as well, are the rumours true that you're going to be speaking <laughs> to Kirby <therapy> live?
2: <laughs> Plugging himself. <laughs> yes, it is it's true. Rumored. It is what not a rumour,
0: it yeah. is true. Oh, what a bombshell. Announced on here, it's nowhere else on social media.
2: The three of us, Right.
0: Actually, I'm, I might have just realised I'm going to be... When is it? Is it soon?
2: Oh, it's on oh, it's Friday. It's <laughs> next Friday.
0: I better start writing something then. In fact, have you booked your calendar date to, to understand how you're going to do it? I'm yeah. no, Monday. i on Monday. Jack. I'm on the control here. You're three, one of your three out of nine sleepers. We've booked our calendar, of how to do this. Uh, yeah, so uh, just to explain why we're all looking like Cheshire Cats. June the 26th. 20... Sixth? Sixth. June 26th. All day, CPD, Friday. Uh, myself and um, also Emma and Gornia are going to be three of 90 speakers providing free CPD all day long and again I think there'll be something for runners as well as therapists on that especially if it's free you do have to register and if you've got any more questions and ask Jack Hsu. right there you go Jack go uh, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable um, Daryl Kruger who came to Run Live conference which is happening this year on the 29th and 30th October oh Daryl Kruger <laughs> From South Africa, he's got a question for you as well. Um, he says, Emma, you're coming out with a book in January. Just on an online course of Julie Weeb. How do you pronounce Weeb's surname? Is it Weeb?
2: Yeah, Weeb. Yeah.
0: Good. Julie Weeb this week um, on running and postnatal mom. This is new for me, very interesting combining pelvic health, muscular, skeletal health, and running exercise performance. Book coming out in January, Emma. Is that definite? Now, do know realize it's coming out in January? Is that news to you? I
2: love you. <laughs> Yes, it, I have got a book coming out in January that I haven't yet finished writing um, and it's basically talking about, the. I've got feedback, sorry so I can hear myself talking, can you, can you hear me okay?
0: I can hear you okay, there's a bit of feedback that's okay, we'll let it go. It the content up. is worth it.
2: Yeah, um, it's basically telling women what to expect during pregnancy, Childbirth and after pregnancy, the things we should be telling women, like the fact that they might experience pelvic floor dysfunction, like the fact they shouldn't be just rushing back to running at uh, after their six week check, um, just just giving them the realities in a nice comforting way and how to how to manage those realities um because i just don't think we educate women enough about the realities of pregnancy and childbirth um, and in the 21st century these are really things that we should we should be telling women um, for not only the preventative reasons but also so that they know that they can get treatment so yes thank you Darryl. my book is out in january thank you very much it's called why did no one tell me by Emma it's
0: called i can't wait <laughs> and I can't help thinking of it it'll double up as a as a child reading book as well I can read to my five-year-old and just imagine the way you've written it's probably I don't know if that's an insult or not I'm let's not
2: sure
0: <laughs> I can just imagine it's just pink and flowery and wonderfully written that's all. let's move okay, on really, Mark am question for you.
2: I'm basic No, no no
0: I'm saying that you are multi-layered i don't know i can't get out of it as a whole I'll, I'll take that
2: while my son has just popped on do excuse me while i just mute myself and okay. yeah, go, for it. It. Right, okay. go for it
0: um i've got a question for mark burrows who's actually the creator of the running community so this is nice uh, mark is saying a question from me i'm going to ask on behalf of my wife as she is an ibclc lactation consultant and not here Okay. I'm going to act as if I know what IBCLC stands for. You two are nodding like you actually do know. Um, How does running post-pregnancy affect breastfeeding? There we go. That's the question.
1: Nice question. And that's a really important topic. Um, We do have a small section on this in our guideline. There's, again, the research is limited about this. I'd be actually quite interested if your wife knows of more research, but um, we've referenced anything we can. We wanted to reduce the fear about breastfeeding and running because um, a lot of women have misconceptions that milk supply will be impacted um, and really there's the, re- the research demonstrates that even high intensity and vigorous running has not impacted the supply uh, you might have to make some considerations around feeding more for the comfort of the mom and um, so that she doesn't end up with really really heavy uncomfortable breasts running and a big big important part of this is bra fitting and making sure that you do get a bra fitted most women actually shockingly don't get fitted for a bra and don't certainly don't get fitted for sports bras they usually buy off the shelf we should be getting fitted and um, our breasts fluctuate um, and change in, in between pregnancies after pregnancies so it should be something particularly if you're going to go out and um, do high impact exercise such as running that should be considered Um Emma do we think of anything else in terms of the breastfeeding that I've missed I think the thing with breastfeeding is the hormones and there's always been this common concern
2: that there's all this relaxing in our system when we're breastfeeding and that can mean we're at higher risk of injury. What we're thinking now and again there's very little research is that yes when you initially start breastfeeding there is still a higher level of relaxing but that levels off and actually the hormone that we're, we're we're challenged by more is the lack of oestrogen and when there's a lack of oestrogen we have less tone um, in in our muscles Um, it certainly affects our vaginal tissues quite significantly Um, so we just have to be mindful of the fact that if you are breastfeeding there might be a a little bit more of an increased risk of injury and particularly if you're hypermobile but, um, but ultimately there's going to be less we think um, muscular tone or support I think is the best way to describe that um, and therefore we just want to be a little bit careful and suggest perhaps that rather than running on trails you're running on in more of a uh, perhaps a park rather than than, than, than than the muddy boggy trails where you're a little bit more risk of, 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 of injuring but yeah, Granny's hit it on the head. There's just not that much research out there, um, and I think the bras are the big thing, um, and women just do not get refitted for them at all. So that's that's a that's a massive tip if you're breastfeeding and want to run, have a bra have a bra fitting
1: and the other thing is that it shouldn't be um that idea of the risk of injury it is quite individual sorry to be putting it it's quite individual it's not something to be feared about and it's not something to think anyone who's breastfeeding is going to have this risk it's only an issue if it becomes an issue and i think just continue on your path and return to to running and it's only if you start to get niggles that you might think that that's part of the consideration for your individual journey but we don't want these blanket rules of oh you're breastfeeding or you should stop breastfeeding if if that reduces your risk because really we know that it's so minimal and um, it affects as em has already said it's more likely people who are already hypermobile anyway and um, or who had issues structurally anyway so like um Yeah, we need to decrease fear. And I know lots of runners who are trying to debunk the idea of breastfeeding being an issue. And even in terms of a lot of women worry that when they come home, the baby might um, be a bit put off if they're sweaty. Um, And that that might change the taste of the milk. And I know lots of proper high performance athletes and runners who totally debunk that. As soon as they're in the door, the baby is ready to be fed and will feed off them. No problem.
0: That sounds ridiculous. Do people actually say that?
1: hmm there's lots of lots of theories and fears and things that are thrown out there yeah
0: well, people who don't exercise yeah that's fair enough i understand that the sweat puts the baby off they've obviously yeah. never seen a baby breastfeeding before <laughs> Jesus, nothing would put it off <laughs> anyway for most of them. right uh so thanks mark great question i hope that helps answer mm-hmm. you uh, there's a question here from matt Scarsbrook. Um, which is a sensible question this time. I didn't do your first question, Matt. I just vetoed it. I thought, no, that's not going to come on. But we'll give you your second question because you've actually thought about it and respected our guests. Let's have a look. Uh, Proper question time. Rehab, no, prehab has good support prior to procedures like ACL reconstruction for better outcomes. Is there any research supporting certain types of prehab women can be doing during pregnancy and in the run-up to birth that improves their chances of a quicker, more successful return to running? The common assumption is kegels but is that accurate there you go good question I was gonna ask that thanks Matt so anything you can be doing during or in the run-up which can reduce that time after 100%
1: exercise in general is hugely promoted through um, pregnancy we have thankfully as time has gone on we've got the canadian guidelines which came out but even more recently like the cmo our chief medical officer have put out wonderful infographics and they're really promoting exercise during pregnancy it's been shown to be safe a lot there used to be lots of fears about exercise being unsafe in pregnancy unsafe for the baby unsafe for the mother and a lot of those have been debunked and um, And it's just about being sensible. There's certain things to watch out for in pregnancy in terms of you don't really want to become over exertional as the pregnancy comes on. So they talk about um, having a scale. What's the scale called, Emma? I know we've talked about this recently. For breathlessness. It's
2: exertion, but then now they're saying that it's really the talk test that's the test. test.
1: Yeah, and that you should be able to talk and have a conversation um, while you're exercising and the other thing is just being careful not to overheat or if there's any signs and symptoms such as fluid loss, blood loss, contractions that are coming up it's kind of an indication that you need to get checked out but most people who are exercising who continue to exercise during their pregnancy actually have a more straightforward pregnancy a more enjoyable pregnancy they're fitter and the principles totally apply in terms of what we know from sports and msk world In that if you're fitter going into pregnancy and labor and delivery you usually come out of it fitter and have a more seamless recovery which makes sense
2: yeah
0: definitely yeah
2: and obviously pelvic floor exercises are really important as well. Um, and there was some fear that if you're doing pelvic floor exercises, is it going to tighten your pelvic floor or your vaginal area so much that then you're going to struggle to, to give birth vaginally and tear? Actually, the opposite has been shown. If you're doing your pelvic floor exercises, it's considered that you'll have a more effective vaginal delivery and possibly even a quicker delivery as well. So pelvic floor exercises are very much advocated during pregnancy.
0: I can see that's a really good deep. And to be particular, really
1: good yeah. Uh, the, he asked about the type of exercises so other than telefloor mm. exercises yeah. the CMO guidelines recommend cardiovascular so you're again you're looking for your 150 minutes and it should be made up of cardiovascular but also strength training as well so they're getting the combination of both just like the adult guidelines are recommending so um, if anyone um, even if you google the CMO physical activity guidelines you'll find the one for pregnancy and postnatal it's a lovely infographic it's really clear
0: I'm interested in because I was there living the kind of core explosion and when Pilates really took off kind of 2000 based on the research and then since then we kind of know that you can activate these muscles standing up from your chair and doing a squat and a lot of these muscles are activated from doing normal exercise like you said so I'm very much embracing what you're saying going about just do exercise just do exercise as simple as that you haven't got to worry so much about putting a bit of rope around your tummy and putting your belly button away but In specifics like this you are, is it more specific? Is there a set of specific core, for want of a better word, or pelvic floor exercises that women should be doing, which you wouldn't do normally, which you couldn't achieve by doing your normal deadlifts or squats, whatever you do? And if so, what are they?
1: In in terms of pelvic floor, you certainly should be addressing both fast twitch and slow twitch fibers. So the fast twitch are simply engaging your pelvic floor, letting go straight away, ideally looking to get 10 times so 10 quick flicks you also want to do your slow holes because they're your endurance fibers so they're the things that particularly for runners make sure that they can continue and get to the end of a run without leaking so anyone who finds that they're okay for the first three quarters of a run and then all of a sudden they find that they're having a leaky bladder that's a sign that they don't have fit enough or the endurance of their pelvic floor muscles isn't isn't good enough and um, so you want to do you want to draw on your pelvic floor be able to hold it in maximally for 10 seconds while not holding your breath and repeat that 10 times so i do think in pregnancy and postnatal it is important to focus in on those and do those isolated training which then carries over into normal exercises and you're more likely to maximize the response to them then
2: yeah i think when i think if it comes to any protocol Based exercises when you're thinking about your tummy, um, if if that's perhaps where um, oh god, Matt, who, who who was who was just asking the question? Sorry, you just oh sorry, Matt yeah, yeah, sorry, Matt, yeah. Um, so, um, are there any specific exercises, strength mm-hmm. exercises that you should be doing? There's nothing that's specifically advised. Um, I don't know Granya Grosje, because Granya is an expert in um, diastasis or diastasis. I don't know if you found any evidence that there's specific exercises that 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 help diastasis diastasis after after pregnancy. I'm I'm under the impression there's not, but but during
1: yeah. and after pregnancy, the research shows that we don't know of specific exercises mm-hmm. that um, have. There's no one size fits all. What we do know is that with I suppose pregnancy and diastasis. The rectus abdominis muscles are impacted um, and rotational movements tend to be impacted. So they're the muscles that we tend to want to keep strong. And that's where we need to debunk myths and things, because there's a lot of misinformation about abdominal separation after pregnancy. And there's a lot of things about don't do sit ups, don't do rotational or oblique movements, because that's going to pull your abdominal wall apart. So then we created like this population of women who find it really hard to sit up and really hard to do normal mom tasks which usually require rotation so we need to stop boxing out areas of the body and nearly safeguard and protecting it to the detriment of everything else and we need to start just um, knowing what areas get impacted and keeping people strong and functional and we know great examples of people who have managed to be so functional and have proven the point that just being strong is important but it's like I always think for diastasis it's, and, and technically pelvic floor as well, but particularly diastasis I see a lot of, and I always try to explain it to women like bone healing nearly, that it's all about getting the load right at the beginning, because if someone has a fracture, somebody might be partially weight-burned, somebody might be fully weight-burned after that fracture, it depends on what the consultant decides basically, because it depends on what lo- level of load they're ready for. And if they... Start at the right entry point. They usually progress quite well. If they load too much too soon, that can be detrimental to the rehab process and keep them back. If they underload, they don't stimulate enough bone healing. And I think to assess healing, in ter- certainly in my clinic practice, that's the way it seems to follow suit as well. You have to get the level of load right to begin with and progress. And that's an individual call. And so the, I really think prescriptive protocol treatments are a no no for me.
0: Fine. It's interesting. I'm glad in a way we're talking about the we're running out of time, unfortunately, but if we're going to focus on anything, I know, Gwony, you've got a particular affection for talking and researching into diastasis or diastasis. We never agreed, did we? Um, but I recall in case anybody listening or I'm sure there is bound to be um, some women who have suffered the right word. We've got to change that sort of vocabulary, haven't we? Experienced? Experience.
1: Yeah, experienced. Experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: But talking to Matt Fitzgerald, those of you who've watched One Chat Live, a few um months ago now, but Matt Fitzgerald was talking about an athlete who you guys were familiar with, I was pleased to know, um, Steph Bruce. I'm just going to bring up a picture up here. So Steph Bruce is um, a professional, very elite athlete, runs with um, the Nas Elite in in, um, Arizona, and she um, was fairly ahead of her time in embracing the um, diastasis recti that she experienced after the birth of her second child um that was her running with the baby it was interesting because she was kind of condoned by a couple of people on social media which is easy these days she was running up to about i think the first child was 31 weeks or something and the second was 29 and people kind of say you shouldn't be running with that baby doing it harm which we kind of know is depends on the individual and it's kind of fear-mongering but then after having the second child um she produced a picture like that which is i suppose is the kind of thing which we need to be embracing and not fearing and for people not to be thinking oh my god there's something terribly wrong with me um totally. and 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 also she wasn't actually diagnosed with it until she'd actually been out running about three weeks after her second child and then started experiencing some heaviness and some problems and then she went to get checked out and they noticed she had it's only then that she had like i think it was three fingers worth but um yeah tell us a little bit about this whether it's obvious enough whether women could be testing it themselves whether they what clues they need to know in order to get checked out and what you can do about it
1: okay so diastasis is really just a fancy word for abdominal separation um and it's basically where the linea alba is connective tissue which is in the middle of the rectus abdominus muscles for anyone who isn't okay with the muscles we're talking about the six-pack muscles so that group of muscles that people traditionally think of having that six pack definition there's a little bit of connective tissue running down the center and to be honest it's probably a very smart piece of connective tissue and it's probably there by design on purpose because guess what when women get pregnant the abdominal wall expands and that tissue gives a little bit of give we know from research that it depends we the problem is we don't have a definitive diagnosis as to what indirectly distance defines um, diastasis which is a problem but we know that all women experience experience some degree of separation towards the end of pregnancy so we need to start debunking the fear around it and start to think that it's actually a normal process now two-thirds of women normally resolve without having to think about diastasis it's that one-third of women that's deaf likely falls into that we need to start thinking right we need to get them access and rehab because Symptoms they might have are this pendular abdomen that extends significantly beyond the normal healing process um, after having a baby. So if people are starting to find they're getting into shape everywhere else except their tummy, or as they get more into shape, the tummy becomes more pronounced, or if they're getting up from lying and they find this kind of pointing of their tummy, even though they don't have a baby or a bump or anything anymore, that sometimes indicates it. And lastly, what Steph had shown there, actually, if you're able to sink your fingers into your tummy and they sink in and that yes exactly that picture there is a really good visual of what um, I suppose diastasis is. There's nothing hugely to worry about with it because a lot of women have it and actually like Steph function really really well get strong get fit get back to everything they need to do. A lot of women can undergo rehab and actually find that, they interact, uh, that the diastasis or the gap reduces and it doesn't become as much of an issue. Um, and it's really something that we want people to consider because it can be a factor into someone's readiness to return to running. It wouldn't stop someone running but it could be something that they need to maybe train up and strengthen some of the abdominal wall muscles in because if people do become quite fearful of it and avoid certain movements, we know from the research that that sit-up or that rectus abdominis muscle function is impacted and so is rotational movements. And then we think, as I said already, if we think of our moms, what do they do all day? They lift stuff, they rotate, or they need to. And so it's trying to make sure people are fit and we prevent other problems occurring.
0: Emma, anything to add to that?
1: No, because I have to apologise for the fact my
2: children were talking to me the whole way through that. My husband's not here. I just
0: wanted to give you the opportunity, that's all.
2: But you just wanted to show that I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, don't leave you out there. No, but there's a wealth of information. I know um, if anybody is interested in that, then there's so much information that you two offer and people can read about it and hear about it. Um, I think you've done podcasts on that, just that subject alone, so there's loads of information people get. Is something which I think male and female athletes and clinicians need to know a little bit more about. Um, i'm not sure whether it helps showing photos like that but maybe that is something we need to embrace and go actually it's just normal it does does help but initially for some people it could do the opposite it's kind of like you know where do you fit on that line of exposure but that's our goal to be able to think yeah and Uh, but anyway well i'll be
1: thinking about it on friday so if anyone's interested tune into therapy live and therapy live um, oh yeah
0: the rumors are true um oh damn it look it's this we're running out of time let me have a little look through the comments just in case and um, i do appreciate people you um sharing so much on there we are reading them when you see Grania or, or emma mm. bursting into hysterics it's normally because they read something <laughs> about someone being told they had to give up breastfeeding because the daughter's head was too small things like that thanks for sharing that information um but yes
1: can i jump in and answer yes. because i see one come up that was a really good question about the yeah. lower estrogen that emma had mentioned oh, yes.
2: Um, yeah, and they not. asked,
1: was this the same in postmenopausal women? Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's a huge consideration. <laughs> so a lot of postmenopausal women actually need to get topical estrogen um, to actually replenish and to help plump out the tissues and make them more lubricated. Um, the dryness in the tissues actually impacts the function, so it often makes their ability to do what they do as muscles um, if compromise them. So it's really, really important that we um, do consider that and do address it and post anyone in that A population of postmenopausal women having issues running. The principles that we talk about in the guidelines, even though they're um, targeted to to postnatal women, the principles apply. So there is no guide for postmenopausal women at the minute. So the principles of do you have these symptoms? Can you do these loading impact tests? Still apply.
0: That's all to do with oestrogen. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. I didn't. I wasn't going to choose you. I wasn't going to give you two questions in a row. But going in safety, then. So there you go. But now it's a very interesting point um listen people if you have got more questions let's uh oh, which i really hate this only an hour i'll have to make it two hours in the future but anyway if people do want to contact you let's have to get that information up first of all if people have got more questions then obviously they can go to your websites but what's your best method of communication emma for you if people want to reach you quickest where should they write oh to?
2: instagram is probably my quickest to be honest yeah please instagram, who are you uh at physio mum uk
0: Physiomu. I'm just bringing it up for the people who are maybe watching. I suppose there's not many people watching with the sound turned down, but let's just do that. Anyway, there you go. It's so snazzy, um, isn't it? Again.
2: It's so snazzy, this.
0: Uh, well, thank you. That's live TV. Um, <laughs> go to my website for more details on how to use this software. And for you, here, um, what's the best way of contacting you?
1: Yeah, Instagram as well. I'm at absolute.
0: Absolute. Is that without an e or with an e? With an e. Okay, so it's not like the vodka and that's dot physio, physio. (laughs) absolute.physio. Is that it?
1: Uh, Yep.
0: Yeah, perfect. There you go. So, yeah, and I know you're both really active as well. It's fantastic that you find the time to actually put so much quality information out and I thank you on behalf of everybody for it. We're out of time i'm afraid There there's so much more questions i wanted to ask but uh, we're out of time but i'm hoping that as i always say people especially those of you in the running community if this does i mean this was the first time we've gone out to you guys so if it does spark off some more questions and oh, i didn't see it what was it keep that common fee going it's an open page so we can all go in there and add and suggest and put links in there so do use um that running community on facebook open page uh, to keep the conversation going and go to those websites. Right, I need to let you people go. Thank you so much for joining us, Gwania. We didn't get to play our Irish name game. I have to save that for another oh, time. Oh, it
1: was too good, it was too good. Really and just to so let you, we've nailed the name. Now there's, you've put the pressure on everybody else. So anybody introducing me, even for anything else, um, has that to go against?
0: We've all, we all got it wrong in the past, didn't we? I think everybody, I and mean, it'll still happen. It's good, it makes you unique. Emma's simple. No, I didn't mean that in that way. I mean, Emma, the name is, is simple. So. <laughs>
2: time
0: you've implied that i'm simply don't say you were, you, you're pretty <laughs> what you right like. okay right we need to go so uh, thank you so much and um hopefully thank maybe you. in the future well i know that unfortunately Grony, you still can't come to one chat live conference in october still got a better date no no yeah.
1: <laughs> i think emma's going to fly the flag in this one
0: <laughs> yeah okay well we'll talk about that later thank you emma <laughs> for joining us and so yeah emma unfortunately Gronia can't join us but um emma will be there either in person or if it does go virtual then uh, we'll all do it online which i hope it does i want yeah. all to be in there in person yeah um but anyway we'll see how it goes right thank you so much i'm going to put you back thank down I to can't. the lobby but i will come down and thank you officially i'm just going to say goodbye to the people watching so thank you Thanks, Emma thank Brockwell you. and Gronia donnelly thank you so much Oh, you don't know how difficult it was to get that name right every single time. Right, um <laughs> actually in my crib notes I've spelt it G R O N Y A. That's how I spell a name now. So if I look over and read it, it's just go on here right people what do i need to tell you um i hope you've enjoyed tonight especially running community people thank you so much for joining us um the video will obviously stay on the page you can watch the uh repeat if you haven't joined us live and remember you can still put comments in if you are watching the recording that's fine it also gets uploaded to youtube to the run Check live channel it goes to uh um, and it's released as a podcast so if you prefer to listen to it if you want to listen to it again whilst you're out running um then um or doing whatever you like then you within a few days it will be available in all the normal podcast apps um, and on Spotify and on iTunes and all that so we do try and put it out there in every single possible way so you can actually hear us and, and what our wonderful guests have to say um, right all I need to say is just to mention once more that we will all be around in fact all three of us will be uh, around on Friday June the 26th which is a whole CP day um, on therapy live um, thanks to uh, Jack Chew and Co so do join us on friday i'm on 2 30 in the afternoon i'm not sure when they are on just looking down at the cameras uh emma's on at nine o'clock in the evening and <laughs> no nine in the morning maybe is that right 9 30 9 30. both of them 9 30 there you go in the morning so they're on there there you go you haven't got to choose between us what a much simpler world um and also then uh, as far as lunch at live goes we'll be back on july the third on a friday i have to change it to a friday sometimes if my guests are well in this case I'm in australia uh on the gold coast so i'll be talking to hamish the physio hamish vickerman about um basically plantar fasciitis um which is a hot topic for a lot of runners so join us on july the 3rd at one o'clock uk time for that okay it's been a fantastic evening thanks once again to my wonderful guests um donnelly and emma brockley uh, brockwell and um yeah i hope you've enjoyed it leave us some comments and uh we'll see you again very soon take care and keep staying safe You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.